very early on in this service, I just thought everybody, every human being that's in this building should experience a liberation. Unanimously. Why not? Why not? Somebody praise him. Why not? Everybody ought to get free. Every, everybody ought to be loosed. Why not? He ought to I don't know where you guys dug up that choir song, but I just about lost it. I was just about to forget that I was supposed to preach today. I was just about to forget that there's people watching me. Not that I really care. You can tell. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Because that song... Our music director, our choir, you guys, they're next level, next level. Let's thank God for that. Let's thank God for that. You know, you know, you can usually tell when a little kid doesn't value anything, breaks all of his toys. Gives that steak to the dog that's under the table. You get, you start getting a little older. You start realizing, you know what? My mom and dad didn't do such a bad job. It was me. But you know, when you get out on your own, and you start realizing, someone's got to pay rent for this. Someone's got to make a car payment. Oh, come on, somebody. Don't, don't act like you're deaf and dumb on me. Someone's got to pay for the food. Someone's going to have to pray. Someone's going to have to actually get this done. You know, you start learning to appreciate something. I appreciate the choir. Because 26 years ago, it wasn't nobody but me and my wife. I appreciate these ushers. I appreciate our elders. I appreciate the church of the living God. some scallywags in the bunch. I appreciate, Elder. Can you help me pray? I appreciate everybody. I appreciate everybody. I really do. I love everybody. I, ha I don't have one enemy. Even the, even the people, there's people out there way beyond these four walls that have tried to be my enemy. I'm not even against them. I love them. I pray for them every day. Man. I don't know what to do. I guess I better 
try to preach. If you'll just stick around for a few minutes after altar call, we have some important things to talk about with our new building. And um, I would have done it sooner, but we had a guest speaker last week. Brother Jeremy Painter will be here next week. You don't want to miss it. And then Brother Wade Bass will be here in two weeks. Or, I'm sorry, three weeks. Three weeks. So, I'm excited. Psalm number one. We're going to go to the very first psalm. If you have a Bible, it's on page 380. Thank you to all, all of Cornerstone for your radical demonstration of appreciation. It is an honor to be your pastor. And you know, there's some people that come into the church that they, they gauge a pastor's ability by meeting their unique individual pet needs. I know that's a reality because I've been pastoring long enough to know that about people. And it's just impossible to do that. Because if everybody had those unique individual pet needs, I'm going to tell you what, I represent a God that will meet all of those needs and beyond. So don't be too critical of human agency. There's, there's, there's another way to judge human agency, and it's consistency. Somebody said vision. Being about the Father's business. Other things. I don't, I, anyway, Psalm, Psalm number one. If you got it, say amen. All of our visitors, we love you. It's good to see some of you. We want to see that little baby. We will not kiss the baby because of politically generated COVID fears, but we will pray for that baby and, and love that baby from a distance. And somebody said amen. amen. We have several babies in this church that I cannot look at if I'm attempting to pray. I don't want to mention them, but you probably already discovered who they are. They are, somebody said they're as cute as the bugs here, not the bugs I've seen. They're better looking than a bug's ear. Psalm chapter 1, verse number 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth or does he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. What an incredible 
passage of scripture that is. But I want to go back to verse 1, and we're just going to, we're just going to look at one little phrase here. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. And I want to talk to us for a few moments about standing in the way of sinners. So if you'd put your Bibles down and open your heart wide open. And now let's pray together and ask that the Holy Ghost and the Word of God would be an incredible blessing in this service today. Lift your voice with me, would you please? Father, we love you, we praise you. There's been so much that has already happened in this service today, but nothing comes close to the Word of God and its impact, its emphasis, its creative abilities, its revelatory nature. We pray for a mass liberation and direction and strength and virtue and power, creative abilities. We ask it in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Blessed is the man that has a particular posture. You know, one of the um, one of the challenges to ministry in a world and a culture that has so much religious Christian, if you please, information, is the challenge of ascertaining theologically and in truth the proper meaning of any passage of Scripture. We have an advantage, excuse me, as apostolic people in that we have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is the author and the finisher is the first letter of the Greek alphabet and the last letter of the Greek alphabet, alpha and omega, beginning and the end, first and the last. And so we have an advantage in that the Holy Ghost can help us to see, and I hate to use this phraseology, but you'll understand what I'm saying. You can almost look at the scripture in 3D. Whereas people that are unregenerated only see in 2D. Which is why humanism and Christian philosophy and even academia is rife with everybody has a voice, everybody that has a degree has a voice and they're using academic tools and other tools grammatic tools to help discover the proper meaning. But when you do it in 2D, you do it in an attempt, you break it down. But when you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you don't need any degree, you just need a prayer life. 
you can take apart any scripture and God will not only give you the proper meaning of that scripture, he will give you the proper application. Somebody said amen. Way back out there. Because while there is a world that is looking for the door like the men that were made blind in Sodom, there's people that know where the door is. And his name is Jesus. Historically, this particular passage of scripture, uh, not blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, or nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Notice with me that there's three different postures. One is walking, the other one is standing, and the other one is sitting. The one in the middle, historically, by denominational, for lack of a, of a better term, and I don't mean that, I'm, I'm not throwing stones at anybody, I'm just saying that most of the biblical commentaries that were written at the apex of the literary age was in the 19th century. The 19th century, make no mistake about it, the printing press had already been around for several hundred years, and it was the apex, apex of Christian literature and study was in the 19th century. The 20th century is, is supposed to be the information age. But they have proven people that are into these kinds of things have studied and found out that the, the apex of human intelligence was not in the 20th century. It was in the 19th century because more people were reading. In, in our day and age, we have moved back to hieroglyphics in which people are viewing. We're watching pictures instead of us interacting and using our brains. Which is why reading is so important. And somebody out there said amen. But historical, historically, this phrase, nor standeth in the way of sinners, has been talking about an individual that is accommodating sinners or running with sinners or hanging out with sinners or it's talking about a degree of proximity. I want to present to us another view of that particular phraseology where it says standing in the way of sinners. When you use the phraseology in the way, like if I'm standing in the way at the supermarket or standing in the way, in the way at the job or standing in the way in any, any context where there's other people, you would immediately assume that there is somebody that is standing between me and something else. Um, we have some women under the sound of my voice. I could point some of you out, but I will not do so because I value my life far too much. But you are incredible shoppers. 
and you go through the racks at Nordstrom's Rack and Jacques Penet. <laughs> and if somebody is racing towards a blue light special, you will say, they are in my way. I, uh, it's almost Thanksgiving, and then, of course, there's Christmas, and we don't believe in Kris Kringle and reindeers and Santa Claus and all that stuff, but we do honor the birth of Jesus Christ and a great time to spend with family. Somebody said amen. Um, however, I'm, I'm amused by these Black Friday deals where I saw a caption where a guy pulled a gun out because somebody grabbed the last, um, is it a PlayStation? We need a PlayStation. Do you have a PlayStation at home? Do you have a PlayStation 4, Brother Anderson? Pastor's really going to get in trouble today. Taking advantage of the fact that he's been honored already, huh? So now he's gonna now he's gonna put the hurt on us. No, but I really believe that every home needs to have a praise station. Go ahead and clap your hands and give God the praise. And so the classical interpretation of this phraseology, and when you look at phraseology more than a body of scripture, it would fall under a different hermeneutical or interpretational classification, but we're just taking this one phrase, nor standing in the way of sinners has been, that an individual is, is in league or accord or proximity with sinners. I do not believe that that's what that is talking about there. I believe that what that is talking about there is that an individual can so find themselves that they are blocking other people from finding salvation. Which means, in verse number one, if you're already walking in the counsel of the ungodly, you're not going to understand your purpose. You're not going to understand your, your description, your, your direction, or your job description. And yet there's other people that are dependent. I have met people in my life that get so crossways that they are more interested in harming people than giving them a Bible study. I'm glad that I am preaching to a group of people here this morning that understand that we are not waiting for the last days. Brothers and sisters, you are in the last days. And I believe that it's time that we all experience a personal revival and understand why we're in the church and understand what I'm doing here in Spokane, Washington. And exactly what the will of God is, clap your hands and give God the praise. Yeah. 
I'm not going to church to be entertained. I knew this morning that they were gonna they were gonna do something for me this morning, and they brought out some five pound box of seeds. Do you know? Do you know what a box of seeds candy does to me? First of all, at my age, it makes my gums hurt. It makes my teeth hurt. But that will not stop me. A little pain doesn't stop me from going to the gym. Of course, I haven't been to the gym in about seven months. A little bit of pain is not going to stop me. Candy is not going to stop me. But I knew that some kind of a presentation was going to take place today, and I'm deeply humbled and honored by all of this. But I did not come here to entertain you, and I didn't come here to preach you a little entertaining religious sermon that can be served up to you like pablum so you can continue to live the way you're living. I am here today to pull people out of darkness. I am here to pull you out of the world. I'm here to pull you out of bondage. I'm here to magnify, glorify, amplify. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Somebody shout with an old-fashioned voice. Cornerstone is where we are today. Not because we are institutional or organizational or caught up with modern trends of our culture. But we are here today, like this beautiful young lady was singing here today. God pulled her out of darkness, and God is using her to glory. Did you come here to work with God? Did you come here to pull somebody out? Did you come here to bring somebody out? Clap your hands and give him praise. If I understand this context of scripture, the person that is standing in the way of sinners could does not come to church to see who needs prayer or what can I do or how can I be used. If that's the way you feel about being in a modern Pentecostal church, you're probably in the wrong church. And I'm not trying to scare you off. I'd really like to convince you that God has a higher purpose for your life. But I want to tell you, churches in the 20th century became nothing more than showpieces where people could sit and hear the entertainment of some modern preaching celebrity. I am no celebrity. In fact, God knows me down to the nth degree and knows that I need grace and knows that I need blood and knows that I need cleansing. But once I get it, I'm ready to get somebody else and pull somebody out of... I don't want to block my neighbors. I don't want to block my co-workers. I don't want to block my city from finding truth, salvation, God, and hope. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Come on, clap your hands and give God the praise. Let's work together. Let's work together.
You know why we're buying that building across the street? I could, I could rehearse all the statistics that I could get out there. We're not getting, we're not buying this building across the street to say, look at us. We need more room. We need more people. Come on, somebody help me out. Let's get in the same direction. Come on, Cornerstone. I'm not here to block sinners. I'm here to reach for a sinner. I'm not here to stop somebody from being saved. I'm here to reach for somebody to be saved. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. I just don't think that's what that scripture means. I think I'm going to side with some gray-bearded, Trinitarian, dusty office, leather-smelling office. Really, hope I can convince you of differently. Because I didn't come here to just preach man-made ideas. Romans chapter 1, verse number 18, Brother Tristan. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Who hold the what? What? In what? That means they know what it takes to be saved. They know how to be baptized. They know what it takes for a person to get the Holy Ghost, but their life is nowhere near where God can use them. Now, ladies and gentlemen, one of the things you like about Cornerstone is the fact that this church is not afraid to tell you the truth. I'll act like I didn't hear that. Your life is so messed up and so filthy that God can't use you and you're working right alongside people that are saying, you know what, I'm so sick of the bar and I'm so sick of drugs. I know pot's legal and I hate it. I know I'm sick of alcohol. I'm sick of the world. I'm sick of psychiatry. I'm sick of, I'm sick of all that. Does anybody have an answer? And you just put your head down because you realize I'm bound to pornography and I'm bound to this and I'm bound to convulsion and I'm bound to this and I can't even help them. You need to pray through today and say, God, let me go out of here in a blaze of glory. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph and give God the praise and give God the glory and give God the honor. Pastor, I lost my job, okay? Let's do something. Let's pray that God puts you on the job where somebody on that job is already crying out for God. Is that too hard for God? 
Honey, this, this person right here, I've experienced it. I've had God close one door because he heard of somebody crying in the midnight hour, and now he put a saint right there and brought him to church. There's people here that are here because somebody did not stand in the way of sinners. Over here, let's clap our hands and give God the praise. Hold the truth and unrighteousness. Verse number 19, same chapter. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shewed it or showed it or revealed it unto them. God is using people. The God that has all power, he has all knowledge, he knows everything. He has limited the most incredible plan in the universe by using human beings. He has to start with somebody that he reveals something about himself that is far beyond the pedestrian mass, that is far beyond the general public, that is far beyond your unsafe family, that is far beyond your employer, that is far beyond people that live on your block. God has to start with somebody! I'm, I really hope to blow up this little theory that I just want to go to a good church. I just want to sit back. The pews are comfy. Don't worry. We're taking the pews with us. We're going to unbolt them. I don't care what they do with this building. Just, just, if it's First Church of Satan, we're not selling it to them. Anybody can buy this building. Delicatessen, RV dealership. UPS is looking at the building. Or uh, um, I'm sorry. U-Haul is looking at the building. They can put trailers out here. You can do whatever you want to do. But we're taking the pews with us. We're taking the pulpit with us. We're taking the sound system with us. We're taking the people with us. And then we're going to have a lot more room that we can lay down our Pentecostal games and go ahead and realize, I only got one life to live. I'm not leaving it for me. I want to do everything I can for the kingdom and for the truth and the call of God. Clap your hands and shout with a voice of triumph. Woo! God has limited himself in that he has chosen to use human beings. And in doing so, He's expecting those people to be in alignment with him. But in Romans chapter number one, God reveals truth to people that are not in a place where they can be used. There's stuff going on. They have a different interest. Matthew chapter 23 and verse number 13. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, neither do you suffer them that are entering to go in. You don't want to use your Holy Ghost and go ahead and be what God wants you to be. And you don't want your kids, your neighbors, 
You won't tell anybody else about Cornerstone. You won't tell anybody else about the liberty of the Holy I came to preach today. I didn't come to play some little game. I'm saying we got that building for one reason, and it's to pack it out. It's to fill it up. It's time for us to lay down our carnality and our selfishness and our iniquity and our self-will and say, God, you've got me right in a group of sinners. Use me. Use me. You clap your hands and give him praise. You're going to have to help this 65-year-old man preach. You're going to have to help a man that's done this for 26 years to preach. We're not going into the kingdom. And we're not really doing anything to help anybody else get into the kingdom. Is that what that scripture says? For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. Let's lift our hands and ask God to help us here today. Help us to repent of actually standing in the way. Pastor, I need a good paying job. I need to do this. I need that. I need this. Why don't you start asking God, put me where you need me. The money will be there. The benefits will be there. Everything else will be there. The profit sharing will be there. Your 401k will be there. But there's somebody that's on that job that's praying in the midnight hour saying, I don't know if there's a God. I was raised a certain way and I saw hypocrisy. I've not seen truth. I don't know if there's any power. I don't know if that Bible's even real. When you show up to work tomorrow, you need to say, God, where are they at? Where are they at, God? I'm looking for for him. I'm ready to bring him. I'll guide him to the altar. I'll guide him to the pastor. I'll guide him to the baptismal. I'll guide him to get the Holy Ghost. Clap your hands and give him praise. What we're going to see in the end time, right here in Spokane, Washington, we're not just going to see prominent people being saved. We're going to see entire denominations, entire churches in this city being saved. Okay, let me paint a scenario for you, okay? Let me pick a name out of a zillion names. Okay, let's just use Joe. Is there a Joe here today? Okay, good. I don't want to offend anybody. You got Joe. According to the world, he's an okay guy. I mean, he drinks a little bit on the weekends and carouses a little bit on the internet, nothing really major. Got a couple kids, got a wife, but he comes to the end of his emotional rope, loses his job over COVID, doesn't have money, doesn't have a future, doesn't have any hope. So Joe says, you know, I think we need to find a church. And so... Joe starts shopping for churches, and he finds one that's got, you know, the biggest, brightest sign, got a big, wonderful, worldly-sounding worship team, 
he's not looking for any real drastic changes in his life. He's looking, he doesn't know what he's looking for. But he's caught in the trap that many people in our culture are caught in. And they don't know where to look. They just know they want God. They just know they need God. And so they go, this one's got a big teen group, and this one's got a, a slick worship team, and, and this one's got uh, this, and this one's got that. And, and they know how to market it, and they know how to appeal to people. And now Joe finds himself going to one of those kinds of churches. Ladies and gentlemen, we should not be competing with Madison Avenue. There is no competition with truth. Brother Jordan Oswald, would you please stand for a few minutes? A changed life. You cannot argue against a changed life. You cannot argue over true deliverance. You cannot argue over the baptism of reality. You cannot argue over somebody that was going this way and now they're going that way. You cannot argue with a witness. You cannot argue with somebody who's been chained. But oh, clap your hands and give God the praise. I don't want to be guilty of having that good job but not being used of God and not letting God use me and not letting God anoint me and not letting God reach somebody. I could be guilty of standing in the way of sinners. You know, I really think it's a good idea that pretty, pretty soon you get a new job after, after a little while, people need to know, hey, that guy talks in tongues. Pastor, are you trying to get me fired? You know what? If you'll go ahead and take care of God's business, God will go ahead and take care of your business. I remember one time years ago, well, it was while we were doing the building the remodel in this building, it was only seven and a half years ago, church, that we were doing the remodel in this building. And um, I had to go cash a check at a bank that's on Sprague Avenue. And I was going to stop and get a bunch of sandwiches and some refreshments and bring them back to the guys that were working on the job. And <clears throat> I got in a bank line, you know, the one where you got to do this number. You know, there's nobody in this thing, but I got I to do this, you know. And the guy was, he was, it was his first day on the job as a teller. And he was bumbling, he was nervous, he was, he was messing up, and they were taking a lot of time. And, and I'm looking at the clock, and, and I'm just thinking, by the time I got up there, I said something. I wasn't mean, I wasn't ugly, I was probably just a little bit rude. I said, so, it's your first day on the job, huh? I could tell. Aren't you glad your pastor's honest? It's okay. Wait till you hear the end of this story. Got in the church van. Almost peeled out of the parking lot, except the engine in that van won't go that fast. I was thinking, I got hungry workers. I got guys on the job. They're working. They're waiting on that Whopper. They're waiting on the fries. They're doing a great job. I got to get going. I got to get going. I got to get going. I got about 400 yards from the bank, and the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, would you be able to invite that guy to church if you've seen him somewhere else? With Scooby-Doo as my co-pilot, I got on two wheels. 
Come on, all you Ted Nugent carpeted van owners. I'm on two wheels, screeching. I don't need God to give me. I'm not, I'm not going to wait till I'm out drowning before I have a prayer meeting. I want God to talk to me right here and right now. Right here and right now. And when God spoke, I was on two wheels on the middle of Sprague, and I got all the way back, and I got back in that line at the bank. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. And I got all the way up to the teller. And he said, oh, can I help you again? And I said, no. I said, I wanted to apologize for being just a little bit short with you. I was in kind of a hurry, and I, I just want to apologize. You came all the way back here for that? Uh-huh. Because, see, I want revival. <laughs> see, I want to be blessed. See, I want to be used. See, I want God to use me. I want God to use me to talk to that one and talk to that one and witness to that one. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Somebody go ahead and shout with a voice of triumph. I'm not into offending people. Now, I do offend people, but I'm not into offending people. And if you're offended by me, talk to me and I'll make it right. I'll apologize. But honey, I ain't changing the way I worship. I'm not changing my expression about this. I'm not changing my anointing. I'm not changing my calling. I'm not changing my direction. I'm not changing my desire. I'm not changing my passion. I'm not changing my drive. I'm not changing anything. You want to be careful that you're not standing in the way of sinners. Let's lift our hands and ask God to help us today. I'm not here to accuse the congregation, but I'm here to preach what the Holy Ghost has talked to me about. Because that new building represents thousands, thousands. They may not even all attend that, that congregation, but just the fact that, that it was an achievement for the kingdom of God, it will impact Thousands for his glory. Thousands for his kingdom. Thousands that will go to heaven. Thousands that will walk on a street of gold. Thousands that will never have another tear. Thousands where there's no more pain. Thousands. But if you're selfish and you're carnal and your world begins to collapse, you don't see that. In fact, those of you that are helping and have helped to get behind the purchase of that new building. Every person that gets saved in that church, God's going to say, add that to their account. Add that to their account. Well, pastor, I'm not, I'm not a preacher. And I, I, you know, I'm too timid. I can't be an usher, and I can't do this, and I can't do that, and I can't do this. But there's one thing I can do. I can help you believe and pray to get that building 
because I can see that we're in the last days. And I can see that modern denominationalism is not meeting the need, is not, is, is, not, is not challenging the enemy in this world. And I'm behind this pastor. I'm behind this pastor because he wants people saved. He wants to fill the building. And every time somebody gets saved, God says, give that to their account. Give that to their account. Give that to their account. You're sitting here. You're in the background. You faded into the great decoupage of what makes up Cornerstone. But you're a giver. You're a believer. You want revival. You're not against us. You're for God. Clap your hands and give him praise. I was in a college class a couple years ago. where the question was posed to the class that I was in. It was mainly pastors, full-time ministry was in this class. That if a man is somewhere and he is not growing, is he in the will of God? I posited I posited that if somebody finds himself in that situation, I'm not here to throw rocks or shoot arrows at people like that. But what I posited was that in many cases that I have seen, either as an evangelist or as a full-time pastor, oftentimes that is a transitional man. A man oftentimes is placed by God to be a transitional man. And he's paying the light bill. He's paying the heat bill. He's making sure the pipes don't freeze. He's making sure the lights stay on so that property stays uh, within, the, within the grasp of the kingdom of God. And then God brings another man in. The instructor of the class told me, Pastor Mayo, you're wrong. I said, okay. He said, growth is the perfect will of God. Whether it's a seed whether it's a plant, whether it's a baby, whether it's an adult, or whether it's a church, it is commanded to prosper. And I wonder if we could take Psalm 1 and apply it to a church whose leaf does not wither. We have planted this church in the right soil, in the right principle. See, I, I wasn't satisfied with putting this on the bedrock of organization because they have, they have their own systematic system of judging success and failure, and that wasn't good enough for me. I had to please God. I had to have biblical results. I had to have biblical analysis. I had to have, I had to have God himself be pleased. I had to have God himself honor what we were doing since he's the one that brought me out and he's the one that set me up and he's the one that sent me out and he's the one that planted me. Clap your hands and give God the praise. <laughs> Growth is the manifestation that it's God
standing in the way of sinning. Surely there's nobody here like that. But I'm telling you, God not interested in just saving individuals. That is the will of God. But we're in these last remaining days, we're going to go beyond that. We're going to be giving Bible studies to pastors that all they, although they graduated from seminary and were placed by organizational leadership, when they actually see what it takes to be saved and they actually see the fictitious trinity was a historical misinterpretation of scripture instead of a revelation that was given by God first to the Jews of the Old Testament and then to the church of the living God in the New Testament. He is monotheistic regardless of testament, regardless of group of people. There's only but one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Let's give him praise. There's only one God. There's only one Savior. Luke chapter number 11, verse number 52. Woe unto you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You entered not in yourselves, and them that were entering in, you hindered. I think, biblically, I have proved to you that the historical way of interpreting Psalm chapter 1 is indeed incorrect, but it's literally talking about people that are keeping other people from entering into the kingdom. One more time, let's lift our hands and say, oh God. I'm here, to, I'm here to have you deliver me from weights, from distractions. I, I, I'm not doing this for men's service. I'm not doing this to be eye-pleasing. I'm not doing this to be somebody. I'm not doing this. God, I want you to look right through me and help me to be the vessel that you're creating me to be, a vessel that holds oil, not a cistern that's, that's, that's in, my own, in my own making, but one that can hold oil and one that can maintain illumination. Let's pray. Oh God. Oh God. I believe you for the perfect will of God today. Our world is in flux. Our world is changing and the church needs to make those incremental adjustments to be in alignment with God. To have the greatest harvest the Bible tells me that the glory of the latter house will be greater than the former. That's us. That's you and I. That's right here in Spokane. That's right here in Liberty Lake.
Luke chapter 11, verse number 52. Woe unto you lawyers. Another word that would easily fit in there besides lawyers would have been scribes. For you have taken away the key of knowledge. What does that mean? Knowing the prophecies of the Old Testament and knowing Jesus to be the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy to the ghetto folks from Goshen. The book of Deuteronomy chapter number 7 said God, I did not, God speaking to the nation of Israel said I did not love you because you were the largest nation. I loved you because you were the fewest. You're the fewest people. God loves it when we start from zero. And it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. But the key of knowledge was the fact that Jesus fulfilled the very Old Testament scriptures that the scribes, the Pharisees, the lawyers in this case, meticulously studied. They were looking for the Redeemer. They were looking for the Savior. They had already experienced the Herodian uprising during the intertestamental period while they were under the crushing heel of Antiochus Epiphanes. They've already seen crusaders come through that were seeking to liberate the nation of Israel under the Gentile heel. But behind closed door in the synagogue and in the temple, the scribes, we're scouring the Bible, looking for the Redeemer. This is not the will of God that we're under Gentile rule. It says right there. It says right there he's coming. It says right there. But when Jesus finally got here, they hid the key of knowledge, of understanding that our Redeemer is here. What is our key of knowledge? Now listen, if you're in management today, don't show up tomorrow and go, because they're going to think you're a quack. Do not run through the mall. Wait till the COVID fallacy is over and wait till it's full of people. And do not run through the mall and scream at the top of your lungs, I get a cornerstone and I'm a Jesus freak. It's okay to be a Jesus freak, but just don't tell them you go here. We've already got enough freaks showing up. Not you, but every once in a while you get... Anyway. You gotta be, you gotta be a little undercover about this. You know, the boss, he's working with you. Well, Kenneth, you're doing a good job, okay? How's it going? Everything going okay? Yeah, I'm having a few problems. Yeah, I just, I've got an alcohol issue. I've got an AA meeting I got to go to, so you'll be locking up tonight. I don't need an angelic visit. I don't need a message like this. I already got what I needed. He's looking. Is everybody in church with me today? Am I the only one that wants to win souls? 
you're on that job to win somebody. God's not going to call somebody from the East Coast. You know, they're trying to move in here. You might be here today. <laughs> We're glad you're here. I'm actually a lot nicer than I'm preaching right now. Oh, <laughs> I look okay. Yeah, yeah, everything's good. Love you. <laughs> Hope you like me. <laughs> God ain't going to bring somebody from the East Coast. God's got you there. Well, pastor, I might lose my job. You might get a better job. Isn't that right, Brother Leon? Yes, sir. Well, pastor, if I did that, everybody's not going to think I'm real cool. You're cool? Your cool ain't cool at all. Because where, where, where cool is going, there ain't no air conditioning. That ain't cool at all. I'll tell you what cool, what cool is. Cool is, is you love God, you love people. God hooks you up with a young lady that's actually got a call on her life, turns you loose, and you turn uh, your city into a cornerstone. Go ahead and clap your hands and give him the praise. That's cool. Oh, I don't want to really live for God because none of the girls are like me. You're looking for the wrong kind of a girl. Instead of getting her in the backside of a, in the back of an automobile, why don't you get her in the altar today and let God blow? Come on, somebody. I didn't find my wife in the back of the church. I found my wife in the front. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Would you please stand up for me? Okay. I would rather walk on glass than humiliate you. You are so special to this church. You. I want to tell you, when I got that revelation, I was in a church in Sacramento, California that made me feel that way, and it absolutely bombarded every lie the devil tried to put in my life. I want to tell you, you make Cornerstone what it is. Somebody needs to praise God right now. My God, I don't care if you're black, green, yellow, have polka dots, have measles. Everybody is worth something to God. Somebody needs to shout with a voice of triumph. I'm here to preach that revival is coming that's going to blow your mind. What's our key of knowledge? The new birth, baptism in Jesus' name, infilling of the Holy Ghost. This is why it's so important that you be, you be a good employee. Yeah, this guy, this guy goes to your church, yeah, I'm his pastor. You're doing a horrible job. Maybe we should talk. Yeah, is this brother here, you go to your church. We caught him stealing from the job. I'm sorry. This guy go to your, this girl go to your church. Yep, I'm her pastor. 
Well, her and the guy in the front office have been getting pretty close. Revival is coming to this church that is going to blow anything away that we've ever experienced. Anything. Anything you have ever experienced in your life. There is a revival coming that is going to blow. There's not going to be a way to define it except you just, I can't wait to get to church. I can't wait to get to church today. I can't wait to get in the prayer room. I can't wait to see what's going to happen. I can't wait to see who's going to get healed. I can't wait to see. That's supposed to be happening right now. But, but we're in the end time. And so it's starting to work our flesh over. It's starting to work our personal lives over. and starting to work our, 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 our perception of the American dream. And we're finally coming to it. Some of us are coming to it sooner than others. We're finally coming to it that it's, you know what, nothing matters but God. You know what, I, they can have that. They can have that. The devil can have that. The only thing that matters is Holy Ghost revival. Oh, let's praise him. Somebody praise him. The only thing that matters is soul winning. The only thing that matters is people going down in the name of Jesus and coming out with resurrection power. I'm almost done. I have a dear friend of mine. I'm glad he's not here today so I can tell this story. They were remodeling a building much like we're getting ready to do. And he called me up and he said, man, he said, the devil's fighting. I said, really, what's going on? He said, man, we can't get no permits. I said, what happened? He said, the devil's fighting us. Okay, well, we went through that about three or four times. I said, okay, what's going on? He said, well, the inspector came through our building and said, you guys can't build that staircase right there. You're going to have to put it somewhere else or just forget about it. And I said, okay. He said, well, as soon as they left, I had a couple guys that went and built the staircase. I said, oh. So it really ain't the devil at all. We give the devil way too much credit, ladies and gentlemen. Over 90% of the stuff that we're facing is stuff that we, it's because of us. And if God had anything to do with it, at all, it's only because he's designed for us to get the victory through it, not destroy us. This, you see this, this, this building right here? We were feeding the guys that worked in this building pizza. We were talking to them about Jesus. We were talking to them about God. I heard as soon as I, we had a board meeting back in the building on Broadway, and I was telling Brother Eric Pyatt was on our board at that time. And he said, Pastor, tell me that we're not looking at a building in Liberty Lake. I said, yep, we're looking at a big one in Liberty Lake. He said, they are the worst, they are the worst city to get a permit and to work with because they're against everything. God's got us right where we can prove some things. 
And so we had the city walking through and the building inspector. And while he was, he should have been looking over here. Looking, I was saying, yeah, that's a six-point bull elk I shot. Yeah, a couple years. Really? Yeah, that was central. I, don't know. I was born that night, not last night. Yeah, let's do that. That's really nice. Yeah, Here's Pete's Pizza. You, you guys want a Coke? Any of your team thirsty? We got water. You guys want anything? Oh, yeah, that's really good. Man, that's nice. You guys did a good job with the building. Yes, that's a great, great 100% approved. You know what? We're going to have all kinds of contractors on that building. You know what we're going to do? We are not leaving them alone. We're going to feed them. We're going to give them water. We're going to tell them about God. Because when this thing's completed, we're not going to say, where's the revival? God's going to say, I tried to give you revival, but you have offended everybody. You turned the city off. Clap your hands and give them praise. We're out to get the mayor. We're out to get the sheriff. We're out to get everybody. Let's lift our hands and just pray. Let's, let's, let's do something spiritual. God, I love you. God, there's somebody here today that they may not be able to connect all the dots. And there, there's, there's people here today, they're looking for more. They're looking for something that's substantive, something that's, something that's real, something that's experiential. This church does an amazing job of working with people in the altar. What would happen if everybody that's here today brought a soul to church next week? Be incredible. This is God's perspective of us. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 14. You are the light of the world. A community that is set on a hill cannot be hid. The word city is short for community. It comes from the word commune, which is where we get the word koinonia. Community. Verse number 15, neither, now this, this is what people do. And Jesus is, is showing the unreasonability of this, of the logic. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a basket. That doesn't benefit anybody to, to have light in the room and hide it. Oh, yeah, I got a cornerstone. Yeah, isn't that the church? They just turn up the music and run around in circles. Oh, I just love that one. Or how about where the guy says, yeah, there's a guy up on the platform that flaps his wings like a bird and goes in circles. And I said, that's me. 
can I tell you why I do that? Jesus is showing that this is completely spiritually unacceptable to light a candle and not make the illumination available to everybody that's in darkness. Verse 60, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let's lift our hands and just say, oh God, I want to go out of this world passing the most basic test, and that's to be a witness. And you shall be witnesses. Come on, you can do this. This COVID thing is doing nothing but a, it's an, it's a, it's, it's an, it's causing the church to become uncomfortable and reevaluating and realigning and, and finding out what's important and what's not important and find out what's, what's, what's the priorities of the body of Christ. I found a scripture. Actually, the Holy Ghost brought this to me. I started looking for it, and I found it's in Psalm 51. David has just, it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. David, King David, if we're not careful, we'll just see one part of David and not the whole man. And the whole man is necessary for us to feel like we have a chance. But David commits two capital offenses according to the Decalogue. One of them was murder. The other one was adultery. This is not my message today. But there are cases where God will bend the rules. You're here today. The Holy Ghost wanted you here today. Because all you can see in your misery and in your tears are your failures. They're haunting. God bends the rules. David should have been stoned. At least defrocked. At least his royal garmentation removed off of him. But no. Just two chapters later. We find that his throne will be established forever even in view of the fact that he was an adulterer and a murderer and we're not just talking about murdering innocent blood like Joab did we're talking about murder in which he murdered a brother in the church
God shows us something in this that is so theologically unique in that he bent his own robe. In that great prayer of repentance that is found in Psalm 51, grab that for me, Brother Tristan, if you would, verse number 11. David, as tears are streaming down his face, and he is now absorbing the full impact of his iniquity and transgression and his sin, he says, cast me not away from thy presence. Cripple me. Do whatever you want to do. Remove an ear. Remove an arm. Put me in a stretcher. But don't take your spirit from me. Next verse. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Here it comes. I'm going to make a deal with you, God. If you don't take your spirit from me and you don't take the anointing and you don't take your presence from me, God, this is what I'm going to do. Then nobody will be able to do this better than me. I will teach transgressors thy way. Sinners, what has God forgiven you of? Some of you should make a deal with God. God, don't leave me, anoint me, God! Although he was a murderer and an adulterer. When Gabriel finally shows up in Luke chapter 1 and reveals himself to Mary, Mary's like, what's going on here? I'm here to announce he that will sit on the throne of David. Because he made a deal with God, the prophecy's still good. When I pray for my children, where's my beautiful daughter? She's here today. My son-in-law's here. Love them both. I pray every single day that the sure mercies of David are upon my children. Might be time for some deal-making. So instead of saying under your breath, God, I'd love to witness that person. I just, I'm just, I'm just, I, I just, I'm just. Instead of that line of reasoning, can I show you another line of reasoning? Like, God, you just open the door. 
God, you just give me the word. God, you just give me the green light. God, you just give me the say so. God, you just, uh, God, you just tell me. God, you just show me. God, which one is it? God, which one? God, which one? Standing in the way of sinners. Let's stand. Then will I teach transgressors, and I'll make sure that sinners are converted unto thee. Every hand raised, let's talk to God. God got us that nice job. Somebody on this job, God, maybe it's the boss. Maybe it's the new guy they hired that everybody puts him down because he speaks in broken English. and You're not allowed to sit at this table. I'm, I'm going to leave this table and go sit with him. I'm going I'm to go spend a little time with him. I'm going to go, I'm preaching to somebody right now. Every hand raised in the building, let's talk to God. You're his hands, you're his feet, you're his mouth. It's like the man I heard one time that was involved in an accident and he was, he was paralyzed from the neck down and his wife came in day after day, week after week, and month after month, she looked down at him. She said, I'm here to visit you again. She wasn't a believer. She didn't know anything about God. She didn't know anything about prayer. But the husband saying, I love you. I, I, I wish I could lift my hands. My hands won't raise. My arms won't raise. I can't move my feet. I can't even move my head. I can't even wiggle my ears. I can't speak to tell you how much I love you. And finally, she came in after days and weeks and months of looking at nothing more but a living cadaver that could only blink. She slipped off her wedding ring and she laid it on the bed and she said, I'm done. And he said everything in him was screaming out, No! his hands we are his feet we are his eyes we are his ears let's lift our hands this altar is open I really don't want to make a big push for an altar call right now but I know there's many under the sound of my voice that are saying God it's going to be different from this point on. From this moment on, God, I want direction. I want purpose. I want meaning. I want significance. 